Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired keep evolving welcome to the inspired evolution and it is such a treat to be here today we have with us marianne williamson marianne how are you i'm good thank you how are you I'm fantastic. Better for having you here. For those tuning into Marianne Thank for the you. first time, she's a teacher, she's an activist, she was a thought leader, she's the author of 14 books, 15th on its way, four of which are now New York Times bestsellers. She's adored in spiritual circles um, as a bit of a legend. I know her work deeply on a personal level, and she quite famously ran for president back in 2020. Marianne, welcome back to the Inspired Evolution Thank Podcast. You. Thank you so much. Your podcast is called Transformation. And I've been tuning into it recently. And I look around at the world where it is at the moment. And I guess I wanted to start, hit the ground running with the sort of relationship between crisis and transformation. Because I know on a personal level within my own life, when I look at the crises that I face, which, you know, I don't want to. Um, call them menial, but relative to the crises in the world, they can sometimes appear less important. Um, but I, I would love to understand what your perspective is in terms of personal crisis and personal transformation and how that links in with, I guess, global crisis and global transformation, because your podcast is called Transformation. To me, my personal crises have given me the opportunity 
to learn how miracles work, to learn mm. how transformation works. And every time you go to an experience where you apply principle, and because you applied the principle, you see a breakthrough, you see a change, you see transformation, you start to have greater conviction that these principles work. Mm. And then you begin to see how every individual life is really just a microcosm of the larger scene. The, the global community is merely a projection of individuals. All that a nation is, is a group of people. All that a species is, is a group of people. So the same psychological and emotional and spiritual principles that transform one person transform the whole. So there's a line in the Course in Miracles that says, it's not up to you what you learn. It's merely up to you whether you learn through joy or through pain. Mm. Now, a lot of us have learned through pain. Mm -hmm. But we know there's a point where you're going to learn it one way or the other. <laughs> the species is at that point. It, it, we have, as a global community, refused to learn certain things about how to live on this planet. People are beginning to realize it's going to get very painful here unless mm -hmm. we choose a way of wisdom. And those of us who have experienced enough in our own lives to have conviction, you know, one of the lines in The Course in Miracles is that miracles arise from conviction. If you see your own life transform, you go, I know this stuff works. Mm. I know this stuff works. And then you start feeling more confident in your ability to apply it to a larger whole. And that's what I think a lot of us have been through. There is um, among traditional Christians, this idea of the apocalypse <clears throat> and forces of good and evil meet, uh, there's this big war, after which there are a thousand years of peace. A lot of people in the higher consciousness and transformational community sort of, we, we, read, we read the Bible selectively, just like others do. <clears throat> people don't like to go to the uh, apocalypse part, <laughs> but there is a way from the mystical and esoteric perspective to read the apocalypse and go, I get it, my getting sober was my apocalypse. My mm. cancer diagnosis was my apocalypse. My bankruptcy was my apocalypse. My cancer diagnosis was my apocalypse. And you learn that through experience, you recognize, you know what? I did become wiser through mm. that. So our choice as a species is either to choose the global catastrophic apocalypse. Mm. And I think more and more people realize that is an option. Mm -hmm. Or enough of us who have learned enough and become wise enough from our own personal crises or apocalyptic experiences now come together, create a wisdom culture and take uh, the planet in another more survivable and thrivable direction. You implied that there's, is there a choice between joy and pain or is it a matter of the pain will persist if we don't like the transformation through joy and pain like there's a you, like we can either choose a path of joyous transformation or painful transformation in my own in my own um in my own journey i guess internally i feel there's a there's a romance between transforming with joy and that those moments uh do come i'm not going to say they don't come but um i often find that the pain uh, the, the transformation from pain is persistent um, in terms of the way it delivers its lessons. And do you think <clears throat> therein lies the necessary the necessity for breakdown to breakthrough? I always find myself asking this question, is it necessary to break down to break through or is there a more enlightened way? 
Well, I think in terms of the global community, how much more breakdown do you want to get? Yeah. How much more pain do you want to get? And I think privileged people need to be really careful when we talk about our pain. Mm. Because most of the pain that you or I or people watching would have experienced, however intense for most of us, it is nothing compared to the chronic layers of tortuous hunger, starvation, uh, and so forth of people, of billions of people on the planet. Um, I do believe you can choose through joy. And I think that spiritual maturity means you learn to do that. You go right for the forgiveness. You go right for the generosity. You go right for the kindness, or you can wait. You know, you can, you can, be, a, you can be negative about it. You can whine about it. You can be mean about it. And you're going to have to learn through pain. Mm. But I think the point is, in terms of the planet, you can't take that much more pain. I mean, we've got <laughs> nuclear bombs that are an issue here. We've got climate change that could cost hundreds of uh, could cause hundreds of millions of climate refugees. So when you talk about the species, are we going to learn through joy or through pain? How much more pain do you want to get? Maybe it hasn't reached your door yet, but if you actually stand back and look at the condition of billions of people on the on the planet, the pain factors are already here. And I think one of the reasons why we're at an inflection moment is because certain forms of pain have become have already begun to reach people who adhere had heretofore thought they could wall themselves off. Mm. You know, if, if nuclear bombs start going off, I don't care how much money you have, how much privilege you have, it's going to affect your day. Uh, and same with with climate change. Mm. So I think uh, there is an emotional uh, sobriety. Uh, in the air today about these things uh, and the global condition that's actually um, motivating us to take a mature view of these things. Mm. Pardon me for the way this <clears throat> question is going to come out because it's this episode is going to be a bit chop suey, but it's all <laughs> I promise it'll cinch in. So you talked about spiritual maturity there, and I was following along on um, one of your courses on commune recently, and you mentioned the importance of how important it is to honour a particular spiritual path. There's a bit of, um, I'm going to use the word chop suey again, <laughs> um, but there's a bit of this. Um, Spiritual you know, <laughs> That's a great way of putting yeah, it. I take the part that feels good. Yeah. <laughs> I take the part from that tradition that feels good. That, but, but you stop. Just at every, in every tradition, at some point, it's going to ask you to put the mirror in front of your own face mm. and take your own inventory. So mm. there's a temptation to say, I think I'll go to another one today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there was a book by Ram Dass uh, many years ago where mm -hmm. he, I think it was called Grist for the Mill, and he talked about that. There's one truth spoken in many different ways. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't read comparative, et cetera, but when it comes to actually doing a path, you want to stay long enough um, for the uncomfortable part. It's like mm -hmm. going to therapy. If you never have an uncomfortable therapy session, you might be at the wrong therapist. Mm -hmm. You know, because spiritual growth, psychological growth, emotional growth is like physical detox. Stuff has to come up in order to be released. You have to be willing to look at your own shadow, your own stuff. You also have to be willing to look at your own light. But um... there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The dilettantism comes out of the idea that a spiritual path is always fun. I think very few of us really hold on to that anymore. Mm. Um, but I think there's that temptation for the, for the beginner. Yeah. And do you think that <clears throat> I want to look at that on the micro, the, the willingness to sort of, I need uh, less fluffy language around this, but let's, let's, I'm just going to articulate it the way that I can. The, the, the dancing in the light rather than having a look at our own shadow work, the stuff that actually emerges within us that is harder to look at, the, the uncomfortable stuff. Do you think that is what is part of the collective condition at the moment in terms of, because we can see the, you mentioned the word apocalypse and it's probably not the word that I would love to use, but we can see the demise of many things around us right now, species, environment, um, even just socially things are denigrating. So uh, degrading. Um, do you feel like that is tied into our lack of willingness to look at some of the more uncomfortable things? Like we can see the writing on the wall <clears throat> in many places. Um, and yet, however, the transformation doesn't readily lend itself to everybody. Do you feel? Well, I think there has been a real tendency in the higher consciousness and transformational community over the last few years to keep things real apolitical. Mm. I don't want to look at negativity. Uh, mm. I don't want to look at global hunger. I don't want to look at global poverty. I don't want to look at species uh, destruction. I don't want to look at climate change. I think that's starting to change. Um, I, I know it's starting to change, but that has been an impulse. And this misuse of spiritual principle, people saying, what you look at expands. Well, if that were tr always true, then if you had stage one cancer, the oncologist would say, let's not look at it because it'll expand. No, mm. if you have a stage one cancer, if you don't look at it, it's more likely to expand. Mm. Um, I think there is a greater maturity uh, in the air. But I, ha I have to say this, I think it's twofold. I think that there has been an unwillingness uh, to look at, within the, at the darkness, not only on the planet, but within ourselves. We all go through that. You know, if those things are true about me, then I must be an awful person. Therefore, I don't want to look at it. Mm. Although I found in my own life, you look at it and you realize, wow, I must have been really hurt in my life to have ever developed that as a coping skill. So some of the things I know in my life, my own shadows that I was afraid to look at, actually, instead of going through self-hatred, once I looked at them, I, I actually felt a, a compassion for myself how hurt you must have been. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people have kind of gotten that, that if you're in a safe space, counselor, spiritual practice, whatever it is, looking in the mirror, it's almost something you want to do because, okay, let's deal with it and, and try to heal that. But I also think that in the transformational spiritual community, there is an unwillingness to look at the greater light 
Because to look into the light does not mean where I get it right. I mean, that's, mm. that's the least of your light. Your real light is the power that is in you, but not of you, that can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Whether you think of it as God, higher power, um, that's the light that we need right now. The light of quantum possibility that transcends time and space as we know it. When you look at that light within yourself, you're looking beyond yourself to the God of your understanding. And I think we need to claim our light right now every bit as much as we need to own our darkness. And is that why the deep honoring of a particular path will always lead you, well, not always, <laughs> but generally when we're honoring a, a deeper path, we're encouraged to not just skirt on the surface and have a look at those deeper things. There's always that deeper sort of relationship that we're invited into, whether it be with suffering or whether it would be with discontent or desire um, in each of the spiritual practices, whether it's Judaism, Sikhism, Hinduism, or do you find that? Is that... I'm not sure I totally understand your question. Well, I was I was bringing it back to the question of, you know, initially when you said uh, honouring our, our deep spiritual path instead of this um, dabbling in different spiritual paths to the point where we just sort of get what we want and then we sort of move back on. Do you think the, I guess the way that I was also looking at it was, you know, you mentioned um, in A Course in Miracles, you talk about forgiveness and uh, I've, <laughs> the way you describe forgiveness is, or I heard you describe it was you called me out even on my own, I want to call it BS. But I remember for me, forgiveness was this opportunity for me to let go of things. Yeah. Yes. And it well, was very you know, um, self-indulgent rather than knowing that the way you described it was we're all created by God and that we all make mistakes. The Course in Miracles points out that the warden can't leave the prison any more than the prisoner can. So <clears throat> on the quantum level of ultimate reality, there is no difference. There is no place where you stop and I start. So the Course in Miracles says, if you are attacking someone, mm. imagine a sword falling on their head, but it's actually falling on your own. Mm. If I am attacking you, making you feel guilty, I will not be able to escape the feeling of guilt. If I am willing to see your innocence. That is the only way that I can ultimately feel innocent. This, you know, there are objective discernible laws of consciousness, just like there are objective discernible laws of, of the external plane. It's simply knowing how things operate. You forgive because you say, I can hold on to my thought about this person's guilt as though I've never made mistakes. Mm. Or you can use this as an opportunity to bless yourself by blessing them. By a willingness to see beyond the realm of perception where you got it wrong. You, I don't like what you said. I don't like what you did. So the Course in Miracles says whatever they did, whatever, they, whatever mistake they made, you are at choice what you're going to focus on. You want to focus on their mistake? You can do that. And that keeps you stuck at the level of focus on your own. Or you can extend your perception and remember, as you were saying, they're an innocent child of God, created perfect, just like you were. And guess what? They forgot about that in that moment when they behaved lovelessly towards you, just like sometimes you do. Mm. They fell asleep to who they are. You can join them in the dream and go through all that wheel of suffering, 
or you can choose to remain awake to the innocence in them even when they forgot about it, which will then be a double blessing. By your choosing to remain awake to their innocence, even when they forgot it, they, they will be more likely to awaken and you will awaken. This is why in the Course in Miracles, it says, ultimately you will realize um, generosity is an act of self-care. And also I love how the Course in Miracles says, miracles collapse time. Hmm. You know, we're taking too much time. We don't have all this time to, to remain stuck in these petty dramas. We don't. We have to be the generation that rises up now and saves the planet. If it's the same drama you were going through 10 years ago, really? The Course hmm. in Miracles says, do you prefer to be right or do you prefer to be happy? Hmm. So whether it's the Course in Miracles or any other serious spiritual path, there's one truth spoken in many different ways. It's time for us to get serious about doing it. Yes, the, 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 the Course in Miracles says each of us has a highly individualized curriculum, whatever relationships you're in, whatever situation you're in at every moment is going to both invite you to rise and tempt you to fall. Mm. But it's just like building any other physical muscle. You're building your muscles of consciousness. Learn to joy, learn to happiness so that you're not stuck in all this petty stuff all the time. You're still going to have to learn it. You're still going to have to grow. Shame's going to come up. Humiliation's going to come up. All that stuff's still coming up. But keep your eye on the ball, which is that enough of us have to rise enough right now to save the world in time. <laughs> There's a massive hearkening to responsibility in there because I find myself mm -hmm. as you're sharing mm -hmm. that because I, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a piece even within me now that looks at, okay, so the leaders of the world have, or the leaders in my country have X, Y, and Z, and that's why this is malfunctioning or they could have done better. Now, how do we, yeah, is it, is responsibility the key in there? Because I can sort of see myself sort of saying, the issue was created over there and I would love to just blame that over there and try and get that to resolve it. Now, we, there's also that those that created the problem, are they likely to solve it? And yet have, somehow we keep electing those people. <laughs> That's all another conversation. Um, but the, the piece around taking responsibility then and accepting that the choices of others, we somehow have the power in the face of the choice of others. Well, you're in Melbourne and mm. I'm in Washington, DC. So we can't pretend. I mean, you say they're doing it over there. You're right, we live in democracies. And in democracies, responsibility means responsibility. You're absolutely right, we did elect them. Now mm. you would know more about Australian politics than I would mm. by far. But what we're told over here is that you did just make a fundamentally different choice. So we'll mm. see. Um, the choices of people we elect, the policy it makes a tremendous difference. We, we keep saying it doesn't matter. It sure as heck does. If you had had, uh, if Al Gore had become president of the United States, there would have been no Iraq war. Mm. So to say it doesn't matter who we elect um, uh, is ridiculous actually. Mm. Um, there are also ways in which the entire neoliberal establishment is such um, no matter what parties, but we cannot say they're doing it over there. Um, and I think, as I said earlier, the apolitical trend uh, within the higher consciousness community, I hope is coming to an end. Right. Yeah. So one of the questions in there then is, I wanted to ask you this today is, 
is democracy? Is it just in recent times in the political science that democracy is so heavily linked with capitalism? Or is democracy available outside of capitalism? Well, I think it's almost the opposite. Is it, is it, the real question is, is democracy possible inside unfettered capitalism? That's mm. the real question. Um, and once again, I can't speak about Australia, but in the United States over the last 40 some odd years, um, unfettered capitalism and short-term profit for corporations has actually replaced democracy right. as our governing principle. And that mm. is the terrible crisis we're going through right now. Capitalism in America over the last few decades has become weaponized yeah. against the people of the United States. It is an unfettered, <clears throat> unregulated, amoral form of capitalism that has caused a massive transfer of wealth and opportunity into the hands of a very few people, which is the destruction of democracy. Because the mm. whole point of democracy is that everybody has an opportunity to express their will. When you have such a, a, a massive concentration of wealth and power in the hands of very few people, this is actually um, more than to the detriment of people. It actually is an assault on democracy. So right now, um, that's certainly the big question here in the United States. People, you know, an economic system should serve the people. People should not be serving an economic system. But mm. more and more in the United States, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, it's um, it became much more uh, tangible for me to sort of see how the separation between the two, capitalism and democracy, when I started looking at, um, or just even how organisations are run, because we believe in a democracy, but within an organisation, usually a leader makes a decision and the decision is then trickled down to the people that are on the working floor, let's call it that. Um, and when we start to see, ask the question, and this was just a question that was popped into my consciousness recently, which was like, is our organisations behaving democratically or are they behaving in an authoritarian um, sort of form where a leader makes a decision and that decision you may not necessarily align to if you're working within that organization, but you are forced to eat it in many ways. Um, yeah. Well, once again, I, I can't speak to what's going on in Australia, but in the United States, uh, there has been over the last few decades, a uh, terrible suppression of even demonization of the labor movement. Mm -hmm. And Theoretically, labor uh, and the right to collectively bargain and so forth is one of the great counterforces to unfettered and unregulated capitalism, which behaves in the way that you said. Now, if you look at a country like Germany, uh, it is written into law. A certain amount, uh, a certain number of workers have to be on corporate boards and so forth. Mm. Um, so this, this contest uh, between the forces of capital and the, and the rights of the workers, the dignity of the workers and so forth is certainly the contest because you're right. What has happened is that the forces of capital now have accrued such power, not only within organizations, but within the country that, they're, that it is dictatorial in nature. Uh, you know, when you have what, where, the, where the crisis emerges in the United States is that we now have um, unlimited uh, amounts of money that can be given uh, by corporations basically to political campaigns <laughs> indirectly. So that you have this illegal, our, our system of government has become a system of legalized bribery. Yeah. If, you, if yeah. you partner, if you marry uh, governmental power to uh, corporate power, this is the essence of what fascism means. So mm. this is why in the United States, it's, um, 
a very urgent and critical moment. Are you concerned at all? Um, or what do you do? You have concerns around sort of the I, don't, I know the United States is your country, so I don't want to talk about it this way. But potentially, what is going on like geopolitically between the difference between the leadership model that China owns and that the different leadership model that the US embellishes. So China's like much more authoritarian in the way yeah. they lead, right? Yeah. Whoa, whoa. China is a is a straight on dictatorship. Right. You know, and the Chinese Communist Party, I have nothing good to say about the Chinese Communist Party. So yeah, I'm not I'm not in it. I'm so you know, we have problems. You know, you could look at Australia, Europe, the United States. We have some big problems we're fighting it, but in no way am I suggesting that the the uh, the Chinese uh, Communist Party is a model to emulate in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that, that wasn't what I was insinuating. What I was asking was the the fact that the authoritarian like the the powers in the world are transfer like the powers in the world are potentially seem to be transferring towards governments that have more of an authoritarian leadership. Okay, to, so yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to. No, no, that was please, yeah. <clears throat> so this is dangerous. You have Orban, um, so you have Poland, you have Hungary, uh, mm -hmm. you have Turkey. Mm -hmm. the, the the authoritarian strongman leaders are winning. Listen, we elected Donald Trump in this country. Yeah. So what has happened is that there are people who are attracted to the authoritarian model right now. There is no doubt about it. We're seeing it in our country. Um, democracy is messy. Mm. Democracy demands participation. Democracy mm. demands a sense of responsibility. Now, what Franklin Roosevelt, one of our presidents said is, we only have to worry about fascism or communism, he said, if democracy does not provide for the people. So what has happened in the United States over the last few decades, because of, in many ways, the suppression of democracy at the real democratic capacity, is that democracy has not provided for our people. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why there is this attraction. You have big cultural influencers like um, uh, Tucker Carlson saying Viktor Orban is the way to go. I, I mean, you almost can't even believe it. But yeah, there is an attraction. So if your question is, am I concerned? I'm very concerned. If mm. democracy does not, if the people who are heading a, a de democratic government in the United States are not doing more, universal health care, education, opportunity, et cetera, to provide for our people, um, then absolutely the attraction to authoritarian models will become stronger and stronger. Look, if you look at, let, let's say a country like <clears throat> China, <clears throat> one thing you have to say about China is when you have a kind of president for life, then he can do long-term planning. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but uh, I think if you look closely, the last thing I would want, or most Australians, Americans, or Europeans, or Canadians, or anything like that would want, is um, any kind of an authoritarian dictatorship. Uh, so that's not where we choose to go. Unpairing democracy from capitalism, then. Um, why is socialism scoffed at? Because people are insane. Because, so this is what's happened. Um, in what I believe are the most enlightened uh, democracies in the world, there's a hybrid system, uh, some socialists, some capitalist concerns. That's what you see in the most advanced democracies in the world. Mm -hmm. um, in the United States, pro-business 
forces of greed, lust for power, have been successful uh, at demonizing the word. Like mm. my cousin who lives in Germany, um, she was here recently and she said to me, I don't know why people think socialism is an insult. Mm. It's just people are, they've been so um, propagandized and right. manipulated. So, mm. uh, you know, what do you think public schools are if not a socialist? concern what do you think the police department is if not a socialist concern what do you think the fire department is if not a socialist concern but you're right one of the um biggest problems we have politically in the united states is this complete misunderstanding of what a socialist venture is but a lot's changing because you have a lot of younger people in america today who are saying first of all what has global capitalism ever done for me Mm. And number two, what is it about socialism I'm supposed to be so afraid of? The free healthcare or the free college? Um, so <laughs> more, you know, more and more people are recognizing that the hybrid systems that are, that are present in so many advanced democracies have produced much better economies, much better, higher standard of living, and much less despair for the average citizen. People in America are slowly but surely starting to see this. Can we talk about the younger generation? Because... I'm, I was listening into one of your podcast episodes, and this uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher I'm gonna butcher what you said, but I'm definitely gonna try and elicit the sentiment in there that I took away was, and the Australia is not too different to the states in this regard, in that we are even just things like student debt, right? Like these 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 devices that we've created actually entrap the youth of a society into a model and a mechanism which gives them less creativity, less freedom. Um, let's say they take on a, a, a degree or something that they don't necessarily enjoy. They spend the rest of their life doing something they absolutely hate. Um, and then they are too afraid to pivot because they've already committed down a certain path when something may be calling them or be more enlightened for their fullest expression. Um, and yet these devices are put in place and where the, well, capitalistically, we're, we're making a lot of money off children and, and like, and the youth in that way. Um, there's these ways that they're ensconced into the system so early on without actually having the freedom that may be required to explore life more creatively, more freely. Um, and the problems that that presents for well, they are the tomorrow, right? First of all, you just described perfectly the situation here. Do you have a student debt crisis in Australia? We, we have what we call a hex debt. And so you pay it off as you go, but it also limits you. So to give you a bit of an idea, I'm in my 30s. <clears throat> and when I went to start, like we just touched wood, just had our first child and we bought our first home. And uh, it's been a, it's been quite the journey to navigate just to how much the debt can actually hamstring you from actually going out and doing things the way that you want to, um, which, yeah, even just our buying power has changed a lot over time, but that's a whole nother conversation. But yes, we do have student debts and I'll speak vulnerably. My first uh, instance into this space was I struggled a lot with my mental health during early university days. And I kept enrolling in university and accruing debt and accruing debt whilst failing courses regularly. And so I have twice the debt to my name than I thought the average, than the average person may have or may not have. And, but there was no, there was no checks or balances on that. It was, you know, I was 
in a negative headspace and I just kept showing up. But yes, we do have issues with student debt. Me personally, some, but also collectively. Um, well, and what that means for the, the tomorrow. Yeah, for the, yeah. You know, you just said you had a problem with your mental health. This was not a mental health crisis. This was a public policy crisis. You were put in a situation that inevitably produced chronic economic stress and anxiety. And then the society likes to say you had a mental health crisis. No, it was a societal crisis. It was a public policy crisis. And as you've repeatedly said, a capitalism crisis. Mm. So um, we have in the United States, 46 million people who are living with this debt and, and experiencing exactly what you described, uh, $1.5 trillion uh, in, in college debt in the United States. And we are living at a time of tremendous uh, controversy and conversation about canceling the debt, uh, ways to do that, because it is shackling people. Once again, exactly as you said, people say, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to, and especially black people, I, I want to point out the racial element in the United States, because many black people were told, well, the way to close the wealth gap is to get higher education. Mm. And then, as you said, so they get the higher education, but then are shackled by these debts even though they got the higher education in order to close the wealth gap, but they can't close the wealth gap because they're shackled by these debts. And often people end up, again, as you alluded to, working in jobs that aren't even in the field they got the education for because mm -hmm. if they went into that field, they don't see how they would ever uh, cancel the debt. And I, I keep going back to this. This is not a mental health crisis. This is why, you know, when politicians ask me what to do about the mental health crisis, I say, why don't you stop driving people crazy? Because this is enough. <laughs> to make people um, uh, just cr uh, crumple under the weight of, mm. of the stress. I can't even imagine being in your 20s and carrying 10, 20, $30,000 uh, worth of debt. I, I, I can't even imagine how, that, how I would have held that in my, in my mind at that age. Miriam, before I let you go, what is the, the message you would have for the younger generation such as myself that are inspired to show up with more responsibility um, in the face of living in the world today. What year were you born? 88. Okay. You are not a 20th century person. You were 12 years old when that century ended. So you are living at the behest of institutional realities that are based on 20th century ideas. The 21st century mindset is different than the 20th century mindset, just like the 20th was different than the 19th. Just like when you're a, a, a young person, you get older, you go to therapy, and you say, where did my parents get it right? And where did my parents get it wrong? Mm -hmm. Where my parents got it right, I'm going to stand on their shoulders and try to even do better. Where they mm -hmm. got it wrong, we're cutting this chain right now. Mm. These institutional forces representing such great political power, such great economic power, tempt you to believe they're baked into the cake. They're only baked into the cake of the systems as they now exist. A 21st century person, it's partly in your mind. You should not, it's part of the individuation, just like you individuate as an individual, you individuate, individuate as a generation and as a, a new millennium. So that's the first thing, wake up. They're going to try to make you think, well, this is the way we've done it. No, you did it in the mm. past century that way. That's number one. Number two, we do have to recognize, once again, 
I don't know some of the differences Australia and the United States, but even as Western, you know, civilization, mm. it is as bad as we fear. And we can't pretend that it's not. The crises, the, the, the sirens are blaring. However, when you allow yourself to grieve that, not just burst out in anger, you know, spiritual liberation is not a bursting out as a gentle melting in. Grieve it, think about it, recognizing the critical moment this is, but also standing in awe before the idea how interesting that I was born at such a time. Standing in awe before a power that is greater than any of this, recognizing that that power is headquartered in you. Mm. That you can't know the part that you best play some of us are assigned to Australia, some of us are assigned to Africa, some of us are assigned to Europe, some of us are assigned to Asia, some of us are assigned to the Americas, like cells in the body. You know, you to the pancreas, you to the lungs, in human civilization, you to the arts, you to the sciences. Mm. But right now, we're all part of an immune system. And we can think of ourselves as immune cells. So when you say to me, how do we act responsibly? You know, as the Dalai Lama said, to save the world, we must have a plan, but no plan will work unless we meditate. Look within first to find the power to become the person we need to be in order to do what we need to do and in order to hear the small still voice within which will give us our instruction and you will be told the part that you are to play god's not going to tell me what part you're supposed to play i'll be told in the silence the part i'm supposed to play you're not he's not going to tell you what i'm supposed to do and we begin to attract what the course of miracles calls mighty companions you know i love that line the famous line from the author uh, Arundhati Roy, who said, um, "On a quiet," he said, "She said a new world is is struggling to be born." I think she said, "On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing." We're living at a time of simultaneous phenomenon. One world is falling apart. One world is struggling to be born. We are called to be both the death doulas to help that which needs to die to die tenderly. Mm. and birth doulas so that that which is struggling to be born can be born safely mm. and through our own spiritual work listening to the small still voice within through meditation through deep practice we are given the powers the wisdom the guidance the insight to recognize the people, the projects, the situations that are all part of this unbelievable unfolding by which the immune system of civilization will be activated to heal the, the profound wounds on our civilization, just the way the immune system in the body heals the body. The body can take an amazing amount of assault and injury and sickness as long as the immune system is operative and healthy. So can mm -hmm. the psyche. We can take a lot of trauma. We can take a lot of heartbreak as long as our mental immune system is working. And this civilization can heal from these wounds as long as our immune system is working. But each and every one of us have to see ourselves as an immune system and mm -hmm. in our own way, ask the power of God as we understand it to use us in the process. And I don't think you can ask to be used 
and your offer turned down. Marianne, thank you so much for your blessings. It is always such a pleasure to drop in. And yeah, I can't thank you well, enough for today, well, but also all the wisdom that informs this. <laughs> And congratulations, you have a new baby. So just before I go, what do you have? We had a little baby boy. His name is uh, Such, which you love, which is Sanskrit for truth. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's healthy, he's vibrant, and uh, he's teaching me a lot about my own inner work. <laughs> and that will never stop. Well, congratulations to you. Congratulations. God bless you and your family. Thank you so much for your blessings. Thank and you wishing so much. you all the best on behalf of myself. Thank you. I'll be in Australia soon, so... I look forward to seeing you when you're here. I'll stay in touch yeah, with you. Yeah. Find out more. yeah. Yeah. Um, July 22nd, I'll be in Sydney. July 24th in Brisbane. July 27th in Adelaide. July 29th in Melbourne. And August 2nd in Auckland. So awesome. So you're probably doing a bunch of events by the sounds of things. We'll put them all in the links to the show notes below for people to be able to engage. And I will see you there. <laughs> I so look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have for a beautiful time. day. <laughs> much love. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.